The sports world is buzzing this morning after a former player has made calls to bring segregation into the NFL. How about that? Uh, also, the sports world is buzzing because Seattle got a stunner of a win over the Eagles last night. Oh, some interesting things happened as we are rounding out the season. Uh, we've got those stories. Plus, I'm going to tell you about a commercial that I ugly cried to yesterday, but it is an amazing commercial, and I hope more companies get on board to this style of advertising. We've got this. So much more. I'll kick the morning starts right now. Hello, hello, hello. Good Tuesday morning to every single one of you. Thank you for being here. This is Outkick the Morning. I am Charlie Arnold. Let's see, what can we recap? I'm on day five, no sugar. I'm feeling great. I'm also looking great. Listen, I don't like to brag, but I took a look at myself in the mirror this morning as I was getting ready for work, and things are happening. Lines are happening, abs are happening, definition is happening. And I really, really want to say that I, I truly believe it's mainly from cutting out sugar. Uh, I'm eating pretty healthy as well. I'm trying not to snack as much, but really the sugar, what was getting me like every single moment of the day. So again, this is, this is my, um, me putting this out here. Maybe you want to get on board, no pressure. Um, but I'm feeling great this morning. So, um, Let's get into the first story because this is aggravating. As, as, as good as I'm feeling, I'm very frustrated because it feels like every single thing, like everything under the sun gets turned into a racial issue. I'd like to say welcome to 2023, but it's been this way for a couple of years now, uh, maybe even beyond that. Uh, but as far as the things that I'm paying attention to, it just feels like every single thing becomes a racial issue. So this time around, it's former NFL running back, Rashard Mendenhall. He's proposing segregation in the NFL. He tweeted out this earlier this week. Quote, I'm sick of average white guys commenting on football. Y'all not even good at football. Can we please replace the Pro Bowl with an all-black versus all-white bowl so these cats can stop trying to teach me who's good at football? I'm better than your goat. Uh, I have zero idea which commentators he's talking about, but... Here's what I think. You can take down this tweet now. We've seen it for long enough. Okay, here's what I think. If you're, if you're put in a position to be a commentator in the NFL, you're either A, really talented at your job, because play-by-play and color are no easy feats. Believe me, they are very, very difficult jobs, and very few people can do them well. I wouldn't be able to do them well. Put me in a play-by-play -play or a, maybe color commentary. I might be able to pull that off a little bit more. But put me in a play-by-play -play situation, you will have no idea what's going on in the game. I mean, to be able to keep up in real time, not easy. Okay, so there's one thing. B, you're put in that position because you are so respected as a player, a legend in the game perhaps, uh, and that's why you have that job. So... Neither of which, let's just be quite honest here, that Mendenhall belongs into. So if he's thinking that maybe he himself would, would be better put in one of those situations, absolutely no chance. Also to say that he is better than your goat, as in what I'm imagining he means, better than the best white person in the NFL, also no, you're not. Mendenhall was a very mediocre player. He did not live up to his potential. He played maybe three good seasons. And let's all not forget what he is best well known for, 
not the the things that he did on the field that were great because again there there wasn't it wasn't some sensational clinic that he was putting on time and time again as he was getting on the NFL field the thing that he is most remembered for and he was called out for this yesterday uh, I believe by JJ Watt uh, was having a key fumble in the Steelers' loss to the Packers in the 2011 Super Bowl. So, getting to this tweet that he put out. It's been viewed by, I think, over 20 million people at this point. Uh, he was obviously dragged through the mud on social media. Even Outkick founder Clay Travis decided to get in on the conversation, and he reposted this. The sports media is always looking to call someone a racist, yet they have been silent on Rashad Mendenhall posting an overtly racist tweet about white people. Mike Florio, RG3, Jamel Hill have nothing to say. And I've got to say, I completely agree with this. I would ask, where is the outrage? Because what's the point of these comments? Why, why make these comments? Why, like I said at the beginning, does every single thing need to be made into a racial issue? That is not how anyone views the NFL. No one's watching the NFL and saying, oh, there's a black player. Oh, there's a white player. The black player is better than the white player. No, they're looking at it as, 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 as a collective thing. Oh, this is a team. Oh, this person performed well. This team performed well. They're not looking at it black and white. And I think because of comments like this that now are going to make people maybe, I don't want to say view the game differently. Hopefully people have enough common sense that they don't even change at all how they're, they're viewing the NFL. But I believe that players really need to speak out against comments like these because they do definite damage to the game. They're not helping anybody. And I can guarantee, I would put money on this, that if this same comment came from a former white player, but you know, with the, the opposite direction, there would be hell to pay for it. So it really makes me sick that this privilege exists. It shouldn't exist on either side. I, I thought we were doing away with racism. I thought we were doing away with the idea of segregation. Uh, there's a couple other instances, though, that I would bring up that show the lack of outrage that I'm talking about, that Clay's talking about. Let's look at last week what happened in Boston. Michelle Wu, the mayor of Boston, sent out an email about the holiday dinner that was only for electeds of colors. And not only when people found out, was there no outrage? Not a, none at all. None. Zero. No one was like, oh my God, I can't believe you, wouldn't, you would do that. Uh, she actually went a step further and then posted a photo of her electeds of color dinner. And again, no outrage, nothing. Can you imagine if this would have been a white mayor? There would have been insane amounts of outrage. People would have been calling for her to resign her job, or there might have been an even greater move where she just would have been removed from her position because this is blatant racism. But this isn't anything new. Let's take it back even a step further. 2021, former Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot, when she publicly said she was only granting interviews to reporters of color, no white people. You could not get an interview with her that day if you were white. Again, where was the outrage? Why wasn't there the demand for her removal? Why wasn't she forced to step down after this very incident? Listen, you cannot be outraged about racism about blacks and support the people who do or say things that are racist against white people. You can't have it both ways. You either support racism or you don't support racism, regardless of what direction it goes in. And I think because of this, Mendenhall needs to be publicly shamed for such insensitive comments. That's it. I don't think I don't think anything uh, 
we need to read in any further into this. That's what needs to happen. Uh, obviously, there's no removing him because what is he doing? Nothing sitting at home on his couch after a rather unsuccessful and lackluster career. Um, but let's go ahead and bring in Clay Harbor. Uh, he spent seven seasons in the NFL as a tight end uh, and get his perspective on it as a former player. Okay, so Clay, this is just, I mean, it honestly makes me sick. Um, everything these days, it seems like, has turned into a racial issue. You yourself are biracial. So you can speak to both sides of things, right? Uh, you're half black, you're half white. When you heard these comments from Mendenhall, what was your immediate reaction? Well, firstly, Charlie, you, uh, eight years. Don't take don't take away one of my years. Um, eight years in the NFL. So, you know. Oh, eight be, years. I'm yeah. sorry. I, it, yeah. You're right. I don't want to take that away from you. <laughs> yeah. I, as long as it's not taken away from my retirement, it's OK. But the first thing I thought was. I've never even thought about race in that terms when it comes to football until this happened. So to me, that just shows that this conversation is, is strictly negative. I'll tell you in the NFL locker room, nobody is talking about that until now. There's been a point, there was a point to where that had to be a thing. Unfortunately, we had trailblazers such as Jackie Robinson, such as Jim Brown, and we don't have to have this discussion anymore. To me, it's like we're, we're taking steps backwards. We're going back into a time where you are segregating people and you're talking about race. And right now we got to this point, this time to where we don't have to worry about that anymore. And as a as a biracial guy, I grew up with my mother, who is a redheaded Irish American lady. And my dad is inner city, uh, darker than my black jeans I'm wearing right now. And I'll tell you, I never thought about that on a football field to me. This this conversation that Rashad Mendenhall is starting is doing nothing but negative things. And then Rashad Mendenhall is married to a Caucasian, a white woman. He has he has mixed kids. So I don't understand what he's doing with this whole race thing, because as a as a as a guy like me, you know, being biracial, you know, growing up, sometimes it was, you know, maybe it's difficult when you're young to fit in to one side or the other. But where we're at now, we don't really have that issue and we're moving forward. And I feel like the last year or two or three, people have been going the wrong direction and making an even bigger deal about race than what needs to be. You need to be an NFL football player, not a white NFL player, uh, a black NFL player, a Chinese, a, whatever race you are playing football. And, and then the second thing is, I don't think it's that big of a difference. You know, I think there's some really good after I start thinking about it, there's some really good white football players. And and it's not like maybe five, 10 years ago when if you start thinking about this, maybe the NFL was predominantly black. Now there's there's good players at every position of every nationality of every race, which to me doesn't matter. You're just football players. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I believe the NFL is still predominantly black. I don't think it's by much, um, but it, this is exactly what I was saying. 58% is the exact number. So yeah, it's, it's you know, just over, over the majority. But this is exactly what I was saying uh, when I opened up the story, is that this, this, putting this idea into the universe doesn't do anyone any good. Because when people are watching football, whether you're 
you know, yourself who's played, whether you're just a fan, no one is looking at the teams and saying, oh, what, what's underneath that helmet? Is that a white person or a black person? They're just looking at it. Oh, that person's really good at their job. They they are, you know, fulfilling their assignments on the field. They're, they're helping their team out. Uh, I just don't like that this has been made into a racial issue. But but Clay, this isn't this isn't a isolated incident to this conversation. There's a lot of things that are going on in the sports world, not even just in the sports world, that have been turned into racial issues. And it drives me insane because as a white woman, I, you know, what do you say? It's like you can't even have the conversation because then if I push back, I'm I'm considered that I'm acting as a racist, which is couldn't be further from the truth. I don't think anything should be looked at as a black or white issue in most circumstances. No, yeah, I agree with you. And the thing I love about where we've gone as a society in sports, and I, like I said, it seems like we're going the wrong dire- direction now because people are bringing this up, is, you know, I go to a game and, you know, I'm sitting in the stands and I'm seeing white kids, whatever, wearing black players' jerseys. And to me, I'm like, that's that's cool. I'm seeing black kids wearing Christian McCaffrey jerseys, wearing Tom Brady jerseys when you know I'm playing with the New England Patriots. And to me, that's really cool. It's like, wow, you know, th- these kids aren't growing up thinking anything about race. They're thinking, that's my favorite player. That's my favorite player. That's my favorite. Don't I don't care what he looks like. I don't care the melon, the amount of melanin in his skin, his complexion. Doesn't matter to me. That's my favorite player because the way he plays the football game. Now, to me, Rashad Mendenhall is starting this conversation where maybe this white kid is going to see, okay, maybe maybe I shouldn't uh, be wearing this guy's jersey because I need to be wearing somebody's jersey who looks like me because now it's a a white versus black thing and I got to support. No, it shouldn't matter. We're all here in the same place and the skin tone shouldn't matter. It should be how the players play the game. And it should be, obviously it sounds cliche, but it should be the character that counts and the player, not the skin tone. For sure. Uh, let's bring in one more person who can add in a little bit of extra insight into this conversation. That would be Mike Gunzelman. He's one of the OutKick contributors. And uh, Mike, I know that you're probably going to have some opinions about this as well. Uh, What does it say to you when Mendenhall comes out with comments like these and we don't really hear from the voices that we're used to hearing from that are constantly screaming, oh, that's racist. This is, you know, I mentioned a couple of them, uh, Mike Florio, RG3, Jamel Hill. There are a couple people that are so intent on calling out racism for what it is every opportunity that they get, not to mention there's other big personalities in sports media. Uh, Let's say Shannon Sharp, Stephen A. Smith, for examples, whose opinions hold a lot of clout in this industry. And and they really should be speaking up because these comments are so egregious and and they're very damaging to the game of football. Uh, What does it say to you when it's nothing but crickets? Yeah, I think that one of the things that uh, Mendenhall might've been right about is the fact that, uh, when you talk about the media in general, a lot of them don't have the intellectual capacity like we just had to have a discussion like we had to see the larger picture at hand here, where it goes beyond. It's almost setting us back, as you both have 
have said the fact is that if you're if you're a young kid, like you just want your team to win. You just want your players on your team. If they're if they're rocking that jersey, that's all that matters is if, if that. And so to even bring that into the forefront of like the younger generation or fans or even having this as a discussion is very sad because I do think it takes us a step back. But when you think about the media, there's so many hacks that are part of the media. So maybe he did have something there. But when you talk about the uh, the actual individual uh, big names that you did mention, uh, a lot of people are bringing up Pat McAfee. And uh, I'm a huge Pat McAfee fan. He didn't really have anything to say. He he had an opinion on the overall discussion and the overall debate that a lot of football fans are are, are bringing into it right now. But McAfee, McAfee, when he came down, when these quotes came down, he said, and I quote from his show yesterday, this is one of my favorite posts that has ever been posted on social media ever. And like for him to be for him to say that shows that he can, you know, what he truly believes about this. He conveniently overlooked the whole entire um, negative aspect that came across. Yeah. Now, now, am I really going to go after Pat McAfee about it? Listen, we all know, listen, he signed a five year, $85 million contract with ESPN. You know, the executives, when he did that, said, all right, we're going to allow you to be the wild person. You're going to, you know, you can curse on your show. You can be Pat McAfee, but you're only going to be allowed to go to an extent. Pat McAfee knows that he is not allowed to go the full, the full level of what he should be able to, especially when something is so blatantly obvious, like we just had this discussion here. But hey, that's, uh, you know, he's their golden boy over there right now, Pat McAfee. He's not going to get, he's not going to touch this with a 10, forget a 10 foot pole. A 10-yard marker, he's not going to be touching this. Yeah. Clay, do you think that you're going to – have you heard from any of your former teammates or anyone that's already talking about this and like, oh, my God, this guy needs to shut up, this guy, this – I don't even know what direction they'd be going. And is anyone talking about this in your circle? Yeah, I've seen both ways. I've had some friends that have taken it as a joke and have started naming players and saying, hey, man, I'm not so sure about this. And then I've had the friends that are like, hey – you know, this is wrong because it's it's taken us back. You know, kids that are coming to the game with, with jerseys on, they're rooting for a, a player of a different skin tone that don't even think about race as a thing. And that's how we're supposed to grow. That's, that's to me, that's the next level of this thing. And we're bringing it back is the fact that you have kids that don't even think about it. Instead, you're creating these segregationist values and obviously you see it in the, the you know the politics and i think you alluded to uh michelle Wu and the in the, in the in the party in boston today and obviously mendenhall white versus black game and unfortunately it's it's taking a front seat now that there is differences that there's been differences and to me moving forward you don't have to go back to the past you can move forward in a different structure and just have everybody equal and not bring race as a thing. And that's what I think people should be doing instead of trying to create this us versus them. Because when you do this us versus them, black versus white, nobody wins. Yeah, and now Mendenhall is trying to play the victim card, which of course yeah, he is. Of course. Uh, I mentioned before, his comments have been seen by more than 20 million people at this point. And he put out this comment. I am simply tired of being berated by people who aren't experts in the game. We just pretend like I'm the only athlete tired of fans talking trash. You're this upset over a single tweet. What about us? Like me or not, I'm a great in football. This proves my point. You can't speak on ball alone. 
and then he went on to talk about how, you know, for 13 years he's been taking the same abuse over the same effing play, the same effing fumble, which unfortunately, you know, it was a key fumble in the Super Bowl loss. But there's a lot of players that take abuse over plays in their career. It just happens, you know? And it, for me, this isn't singling out Rashad Mendenhall as being, oh, you're the victim, oh, poor you. You've endured all of this abuse. You know, people have talked crap to you online. And now this gives you the right to lash out in a way that you would want to introduce segregation to the game. Guns, yeah. what does it tell you when he tries to pivot to I'm the victim because of this abuse and maybe as a way for him to say, it's okay that I made these comments because here's what you did. I mean, it, 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 it's a cop-out answer and it, it's, you know, carefully trying to tread back to it does not allow this to happen. For example, look at like Bill Buckner. All right, Bill Buckner's, you know, for the New York Mets, everything that happened there. How about Mark Sanchez? Mark Sanchez will always be known as the butt fumble guy forever now. You don't see him starting uh, race wars on, on, on social media. It's just a cheap cop-out answer um, to be able to do that. Like, yeah, listen, you're a professional athlete. It happened against you. That doesn't really, I mean, allow you to just really kind of just you know, bring up this whole entire argument that had nothing to do with, if you had a problem with the media, there's so many other ways for you to intellectually be able to kind of, uh, you know, to express yourself here rather than go down the, the path that you did. And going off of what, uh, what you both had kind of brought on, I think you are exactly right. I truly believe that this is going to now re it's going to bring in this conversation once again. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if next we see it in major league baseball where you're going to see, well, you know, could, could the Dominicans or, you know, this, uh, you know, the, the Latin Americans, could you have a Latin American team versus, you know, white, white baseball players now who would be better. <laughs> I bet you this, this goes through everything now. I bet you it continues to go through now to, to spiral out of control. I would not be surprised. You're going to see it. You're going to see the lists all across social media of who would be better. Yeah, and, and Clay, you know, because you played, I'm listen, I'm I don't wanna make any assumptions, but I imagine you had a couple plays in your day that you weren't so proud of. Uh I have some moments in my career I'm not so proud of. Does he have a point about the criticism that he's received? Uh or is this again him trying to take this in a different direction to make up for what he said? No, to me, you just need, you said what you said, you need to own that. And I've had a number of plays, Charlie. I mean, I don't, I can't even count. There's, there's so many plays that I want back, especially young in my career. There's even, there's even a play on the Bachelorette that I want back when I was playing football on a, on a reality TV show. But absolutely every football player, there's going to be plays and he was lucky enough to have a play in the biggest game that everybody wants to play. And I never played in the Super Bowl. Played in, the, played in four playoff games, never played in the Super Bowl. But you got to own that, man. And as a football player, you played your whole life, you block that stuff out. Fans are going to be fans. You're not a victim. They say that to everybody. Every fan of your favorite team is going to say something if you lose a game. I've dropped passes several passes. You're going to you're get that hate. I'm sorry. That's just football. And that's just NFL football and professional football. If you can't take that, I'm sorry. If you can't take that, you can't play sports. You wouldn't imagine some of the stuff that these guys that play in the Super Bowl. It happens to every single NFL player, every basketball player, 
every soccer player, you talk about LeBron James. I mean, it doesn't matter who. When you don't succeed in whatever you're doing, you're going to have fans that are upset about that. And in every sport, in whatever you do, even radio hosts, doesn't matter. You're going to get criticism. If you're afraid to take this criticism, if you can't take it, you never should have strapped up the pads and put that helmet on. That's my take. Yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of ways to look at this, but I think we can all agree uh, what he said doesn't accomplish anything. And I think that people need to start not just in this situation. Uh, people in general need to start calling out racism, even you know when it comes, you know, from one side or the other. I, I just racism is racism. Let's just leave it there. Uh, let's talk a little Monday night football. Uh, last night we saw Jalen Hurts. On the field, we weren't sure if we were going to get the opportunity to see him because he was registered as ill beforehand, but he was out there. So we thought that would give the Eagles a little bit of an elevation. It did not. Uh, they still lost 20 to 17 in Seattle. Now the Eagles uh, looking to still lock up that number one seed in the NFL. Uh, they've dropped three games in a row. They no longer appear to be the team that we thought they were in the NFC. Uh, the defense been doing so badly that the Eagles actually quietly made the move, elevating Matt Patricia as defensive play caller, demoting Sean Desai. Tons of question marks surrounding this team. Uh, I just have to ask, Clay, I know it's all about getting hot at the right time. That's what they always say. Right now, Philly doing the opposite. Is Philly not the team that we thought they were? Because I will say... Before the season even started, I made a prediction, and I said we were going to see the two teams running it back, KC and the Eagles, in this year's Super Bowl. And right now, I think I've been wrong in both, in both conferences, perhaps. Uh, Clay, what do you think? Unfortunately, Charlie, I'm right there with you. I, I think I had, uh, Phil, I have to go back to my picks, but I think I had Philly and Kansas City as the, uh, the favorites. And... This Eagles team, it hurts me. It really hurts me to say this, Charlie. I was drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm a Philadelphia Eagle at heart. This, this hurts, but the Eagles aren't good right now. And, and this is who they are. They, they won a lot of games this year. But when you look back at the way they won, it's like we just had Thanksgiving. It's like you, you have this turkey that you thought was delicious because you put this, this dressing all over it. You know, you put the you put the gravy on the turkey. But then once you, you you're covering up because you're winning – but now that this turkey is actually some dry turkey. The Eagles, to me, are some dry turkey. Jalen Hurts in the fourth quarter yesterday went two of six with 25 yards. I mean, Jalen Hurts is tied for the most turnovers in the NFL this year at 17. I love Jalen Hurts. I love his approach. He's a guy that is strictly football, hard worker. I love the way he attacks the game. But this year, he's not playing well. This defense isn't playing well. And offensively, they did run the ball yesterday. but. It comes back to Hurts. You have weapons, but but the stuff you're doing, the run-pass option stuff, is not working the way it did last year. So in my opinion, I wouldn't be surprised if they get bounced in the first round of the playoffs. And I definitely don't see them beating the 49ers, and I realistically don't see them beating the Cowboys if they play them in the NFC playoffs. So unfortunately for my bird, flag will fly. I bleed green. I was drafted in Philly. Go back to games still. The, the Eagles always take care of me, the organization. But this year, they will not be back in the Super Bowl. Hate to say it. Yeah, no way. Yep. 
Well, that's definitely something we wouldn't have expected, again, earlier on in the season, uh, based on my predictions, probably most of ours. Something else we would not have predicted, guns. Drew Locke, Ooh. a stud. Uh, he got a second start this season due to an injury to Geno Smith, leading the Seahawks last night to victory. An impressive 92-yard game-winning fourth quarter drive. That would be Seattle's longest touchdown drive of the season. He obviously very emotional following the win. And now, because of this victory, Seattle has a path to 10 wins and another spot in the playoffs this season. So, obviously, this is why we love sports. The unpredictable can always happen. Uh, Locke yeah. was shipped out of Denver. Let's just take a look at like his little history. He left Denver. He left. Russell Wilson came in, the new the big guy in town, big guy in campus. The Broncos did not believe in Drew Locke. Uh, he comes to Seattle. Then he loses his starter job there. Then he gets another massive opportunity again in the last two games. And the icing on the cake, he only learned a few hours before the game last night that he was starting. Yep. Guns. This story, it's incredible. No, you're, you're exactly is, right. Yeah, yeah, just call, react, react. I mean, this is just yeah, insane, yeah. right? I, absolutely. It's funny. The Seattle Times headline this morning calls Drew Locke a legend, that he has solidified himself into Seahawk, uh, to being a Seahawk legend just from what happened yesterday. And, and you're exactly right. I, it was an exciting comeback. I mean, this is Drew Locke of everybody, all right? The Seahawks come in with a four-game losing streak, which was tied for the, for the most they've had since 2010. All right, they had four losses in a row, first time uh, since 2010. Things were not looking all right. You know, it, it had all the markings that come come towards the end of the game. It's like, hey, at least we were, you know, at least we hung in there a little bit. But what did you expect? Of course, we were going to lose. We had Drew, you know, we had Drew Locke there. We didn't have Geno Smith, but hey, at least we fought a little bit for them to be able to come back. I mean, nobody, and I mean nobody, including the uh, statistic prob uh, probability of it, when Drew Locke got that ball on their own eight yard line with less than two minutes. And think he would go all the way down the field, which is something absolutely special. His post-game press conference, by the way, was amazing. He like he truly it, it made you it, it it spoke to what makes sports so special. Where he you know he really embraced the moment and realized that like hey I probably shouldn't have been able to to be here, but guess what I was placed in the situation and I rose to the occasion and I absolutely crushed it and dominated it. And hey now. Who knows? Maybe my team actually might be able to go to the playoffs. Regardless, Drew Locke, the winner of the week right there. Let's go. Another great ending to a Monday night football game. This is three for three. You think the two games last week, which were, you know, came down to the last drive pretty much into, to, into last night as well. Good things all around. It's the beauty about sports. Uh, we'll see what happens going forward. Obviously, with Gino Smith, when he gets healthier, he'll take over the, uh, the starting role once again from Drew Locke. But at least for one night, Drew Locke solidified himself into Seahawks improbable uh, legend right there, Drew Locke. Clay, what do you think? These stories, uh, they're the reason why we love sports so much. I think, I think it's incredible, you know, and, and for him to bounce back his first win since 2020, excuse me, three years, this guy hasn't won a game and you kind of write him off. You bring him here. He's a guy who's competing for the job with Geno Smith. Geno Smith has an excellent offseason. Geno Smith wins a job. And and you feel like Drew Locke is probably just going to fade into obscurity. Maybe he gets a, a backup job here or there. But I really like to see these type of, of stories. You know, guys coming back 
you know, bringing back, resurrecting their careers. It's it's really special. And for him to do that against a team that I know we the Eagles are fraudulent. They're not the team that people think they are. But to do it in this situation, Monday night football against a 10 and three team, your team is fighting for a playoff spot. Final drive, third and 10, win the game. Jackson Smith and Jigba, nice touchdown. To me, it's like you're writing a movie. That stuff doesn't happen like that. So that's incredible. I'm happy for him. Uh, everybody says he's a hardworking, good dude. So why well, I love sports so much. Also, it feels okay, good. Okay, now just, let's it move. It feels good for the Eagles to just lose. Let's be Oh, honest. come on now. Come on now. <laughs> I that's love not when no. the Eagles lose. It's so good. It oh, makes my day. You. Oh, come on. I love it. I love it. A little bit of, uh, you know, chitter chatter to get us going on this Tuesday morning. Uh, I actually have a bone to pick with you guns because you put out an article about the top five worst Christmas songs of all time. Oh, yeah. And I just don't know that I totally agree. You put Paul McCartney, Wonderful Christmas Time is the worst. Clay, do you know that song? Simply having a wonderful Christmas time. Yeah, that is a good song. What are you talking about? Charlie, you are so wrong on this. It's ridiculous. That song is pain to people's ears. All right. There's it is that song. There's nothing wonderful about that song. I think that Paul McCartney, this is when he was tripping acid. This was the this had to be the LSD days because that song is garbage it is trash that does not make you wonderful in fact it makes me hate christmas and i and, and that's unfortunate because christmas is my favorite holiday i think if paul mccartney even heard that song today he'd be like what was i thinking there is no way that song is people can go out of their way to be like i think i'm going to play that one on my spotify like oh everybody come on over we got a party let me play that on my spotify that is that that is definitely definitely it's on my Christmas Spotify. It is on my Spotify. I have a oh, Christmas God. album and it is on my Spotify. Well, it's on the, in the rotation. The if you're playing that, I'm not coming. You're not invited the to the party. Christmas party. You weren't invited, so it doesn't matter. I'm just kidding. Uh, Clay, do you agree? You think that's a good song, or you think we need to like kick guns off the Christmas song rating list next year? That's unfortunate, Guns. I mean, first you're talking oh, about the Eagles like that, and then you're going to go and, and diss on my Paul McCartney's Christmas song. I mean, these are two strikes, man. Two yeah. strikes, Guns, the Eagles, I, now the Paul McCartney Christmas wait. So yeah. I disagree. I think it's a solid song. There are definitely worse Christmas songs out oh, there. Oh, you guys are losers. You guys don't know how <laughs> I'll to I'll tell have you what, the time. best song... <laughs> The best song, you should have done a, a list of the best songs, Guns, and Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas of You, definitely tops that list. Uh, and I will have no arguments about that. We're not even gonna, going to get into the discussion because I am here to proclaim Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas as You as the greatest Christmas song in the world. In fact, I love it so much that I listen to it not even during Christmas time during the year. So. Uh, Mimi stays undefeated. Uh, guys, thank you so very much for uh, jumping into the show. This was so much fun. Loved breaking down some football with you. Loved that we all could stand up against racism. Thank God it was time for someone to do it. And I'm um, glad we could put guns in his place because uh, Paul McCartney, definitely not the worst song. I will I will come to you with the worst song when I can think about it. But uh, I don't have that. I only have best song. I'm, I'm thinking positive this morning. Listen, social media is going to agree with me. Tweet, tweet us. Tweet the show. Let 
tell Charlie that I'm right. Please, please tell me that uh, that I'm right here. Everybody go re-listen to that song right now. Really listen to that song, and you'll come back and you'll agree with me. I swear. I'll agree with you with uh, Mariah Carey, though. Love that song. That's a jam. Year it's round, a good one. You can listen to uh, that one. <laughs> Love it. Uh, Guns, thank you. Clay, thank you. Both are great. And Merry Christmas to both of you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, guys. Fly, Eagles, fly. I'm, I still have hope. Oh. <laughs> hope is important. Outkick the Morning will be right back after a short break. Stay tuned. Okay, we're going to stay on the Christmas theme. I'm in the spirit this morning. There was a commercial that was brought to my attention yesterday. Now, I realize now that this commercial is a couple of weeks old, but it's going viral. It is a Chevy commercial, and it is a very traditional commercial, okay? There's nothing woke about this commercial. It just, like, has all the good feels. Uh, you can just—I'll just have you take a look at it, and, and you, you can understand and why I'm saying these things. Watch this. Got you a present. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Ready? Yeah. Everybody, this commercial's yeah, this commercial is actually five minutes long. So we can't show you the whole thing, I wish. Cause actually I don't wish because I was literally ugly crying. During this commercial yesterday, a family whose grandmother was suffering from Alzheimer's, the one of the younger granddaughters decided to take her for a ride in her Chevy, her old Chevy that she probably drove around in, you know, for years when she was younger. And they went all around town uh, looking at all the different sites. The granddaughter was calling out, you know, this is where you went to high school. This is where you met your your now husband. They've been together for decades on decades. Uh, you know, here's the town. Here's where you would get milkshakes. Very cute. Then it's like suddenly the grandmother started, you know, having more memories and she was come, becoming more herself again. And it was just so sweet. And then the real kicker was when the husband comes to the door of the Chevy and kisses the wife, honestly, like I'm getting a little emotional just reliving this commercial in my brain. I started literally ugly crying yesterday. And the reason I watched it in the first place, because this is Benny Johnson. You probably all know his name. Big conservative voice. He's great. He put this out on social media and he said, try to watch this without crying. Like, just try. So I was like, OK, whatever. I'm going to try. Nope. Did not make it. I was bawling my eyes out. Mascara running down my face. I reposted it to my story. Had a couple of other friends who were like, nope, did not make it. Uh, this commercial was really special. Um, it tells a story and it tells it in a way that doesn't incorporate any of the weird things that we're used to seeing in commercials these days. Listen, they're not trying to make it appealing to all different types of audiences for all different weird types of reasons. They're just telling a story. I don't care if the family was all white. I don't care if they were all black. I don't care if they're all Asian. Bottom line, they showed a very traditional family, how one generally would look like in a household on a holiday. And they made you feel something. And that's what companies need to do to sell products. You don't need to make every single thing in the world woke now in order to appease all of the different DEI components. Like, that's just not how it goes. That's not how people relate to a product or want to 
align themselves with a product. So I say hats off to Chevy for doing a commercial like this. Toyota also followed suit. They had another very traditional commercial didn't register emotionally the same way as me, but I feel like something's shifting. Maybe the tides are turning a little bit and companies are realizing that if they want to put their ad dollars to good use, they need to tell stories like this and, and make it a believable scenario uh, that makes customers believe in their products. Anyways, do yourselves a favor. Not when you have somewhere to go because your eyes will be puffy and if you're a woman, you're going to have mascara running down your face, but watch the entire five minutes of this commercial. It is incredible. Definitely put me in the Christmas mood. And now I'm super excited because I'm leaving this week to go see my family for Christmas. And I have a grandmother who is 95 years old. She's the best. I love her so much. And I cannot wait to see her and celebrate Christmas with her along with the rest of my family. My mom's going to be there. My mom's whole side. It's going to be great. So um, hopefully all of you have wonderful Christmas plans as well. Okay, that is it, everybody. Thank you so much for being here uh, for Outkick the Morning. Uh, do not forget that in a couple of weeks, we're going to be uh, only airing our live shows on Outkick.com. So to watch, you're going to have to do Outkick.com backslash watch. And uh, that's where you're going to be able to catch the shows live. But then you'll be able to come to YouTube for the, uh, you know, I guess edited not live version after the fact. So everyone, that's it. Follow me on social media at Charlie on TV. That's where you get all the juice all the tea on my life when I'm not on the show and uh, have yourselves a wonderful Tuesday. Let's do it.